Hey everybody, just a very small note before we begin this episode. Our guest Jeff has shared with us a few slides that will help you navigate through the episode. It is not mandatory at all, you can listen to the episode and still get everything, but if you want to go deeper and have a visual support, head to corporate-treasury-101.com, head to the article section and look for the one with Jeff to download the slides for free. The link is of course in the description to make it easier. Enjoy the episode! Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the first part of our full interview with Jeff Goggins from Kiribati, where we delve deep into the world of FX risk exposure. Jeff is a director at Kiribati, part of the advisory team, and focuses on FX risk management. Kiribati's treasury management system is a well-known solution in the market, providing automated cash management, bank connectivity, liquidity planning, payments, working capital features, and much more. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is a risk exposure, what is foreign exchange risk, a quick reminder, what are the different types of FX risk a company can face, and much more. We truly hope you will enjoy the episode. And if you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our ask to you. The only way the podcast can grow and for more people to learn about treasury is thanks to you. So if you enjoy what you hear and learn something, please consider following the show, leaving a review. Man, it's exactly the same point. Sorry, I'm going to redo it as so if you enjoy. So if you enjoy what you hear, please consider following the show, leaving a review or sharing this episode to help others discover it too. Also, if you're eager to explore how AI is revolutionizing our industry, be sure to join our bi-weekly newsletter, AI Treasury Insight. Check out the link in the description or head straight to corporate-treasury-101.com slash newsletter. With all that being said, please welcome Jeff Goggins. Jeff, welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. So we're going to go over today financial risk, specifically FX risk. We did an episode on this a long time ago where we went into the different types of risk and hedging strategies. And today we're going to deep dive onto the FX side of it. So Jeff, start as high level. What is a risk exposure? Like that term used in treasury risk exposure, what does that actually mean? Yeah, well, when we're talking about financial risk and FX risk in particular, um, there seems to be in the industry pretty much uh, agreement on the concept of there being three main foreign exchange risks. And sometimes there's some different terminology used slightly, but it's generally the same concepts. And um, the first being a transactional-based risk. And a lot of times people think of that as anticipated transactions, transactions that haven't occurred yet. And then you also have booked transactions. So foreign are non-functional currency transactions that will change in value that are sitting on your balance sheet. So you have your anticipated and your booked transactions. You also then have uh, translation risk. So that's when you have a, a non-reporting currency entity 
that so if you have a British pound, let's say, entity in a U.S. dollar organization, you know, those books at the uh, end of the month or end of the quarter are going to translate up into the reporting currency. So you have translation risk. And then you have uh, net investment risk, which is the change in the uh, net asset value of foreign subsidiaries. So uh, those three are typically how how global companies are viewing FX risk, those three general types. Super interesting. So FX risk is all about when a company is wanting to do business internationally, um, they might have different subsidiaries in different locations or also even just suppliers in different locations working in different different currencies, right? Yeah, that's right. So you can have you know a U.S. based or a company or a company that's only truly located in in one country that is uh, you know trading overseas, and so they have uh, some risk with with that business. But then, what I typically uh, run up against, given that in my field of work, I'm helping global companies set up hedge programs uh, to address this risk. So. Uh, usually, it's companies of a particular getting to a, a pretty large scale, and they will have a lot of foreign subsidiaries, foreign entities uh, that are also doing business. So, not only do you have, you know, maybe your your main corporate entity that does international business, but now you have all of these international subsidiaries also doing doing business and doing business with other countries and in other currencies. So, so it starts to get kind of like a big spider web of, of foreign activity that, that companies will see changes in values of all their transactions and want to deal with that risk. I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into those two terms that you mentioned, anticipated versus booked. So I guess just refer to the transaction exposure, right? Yeah. How does that, maybe in layman's terms or for everybody to understand, anticipated is, I'm expecting this transaction to happen, but I'm not sure it will happen yet. That that would be the idea. So it's a little bit of a forecasted exposure, right? Correct. Yeah. And that goes into like, I think the, the industry agrees with that as a risk, but you mentioned forecasted there. You, you, you tend to get a lot of terminology differences and folks uh, calling that a forecasted risk and anticipated risk. Um, and then, and that's actually just to take a little sidestep away from that. That's that's one of the challenges, I think, with with folks who are starting to get into FX and even with the treasury function, uh, having conversations with other folks within their organization or the CFO, is you tend to get, uh, you have folks that just have a lot of different terminology in their own head. So, so one thing you have to do, especially talking to a CFO, is you want to make sure that you're on the same page with terminology. And, and actually, I'll, I'll, uh, one example of that, I'll actually kind of shift to the translation side just from a definitional example. But, you know, in my mind, when when I'm working with companies, I view translation risk how I described it earlier, which is kind of, you know, right at the end of kind of if you if you think of FX risk on a timeline, right at the end, the company needs to translate their books. And and that that small slippage that you can have in FX rates between the rates that transactions are booked that month 
And then the rate that's being used to translate the books to me is the translation risk. But I've talked with a lot of CFOs who will just broadly kind of say, oh, you know, I'm worried about translation risk. And you can't just assume that you know what they're talking about because uh, what I've found is a lot of times what they're talking about is is they're actually talking about the transaction risk that, that you were mentioning, kind of the forecasted risk. So a CFO has a plan um, you know, out to the streets, they've set their guidance, and they just broadly think of translation risk as, oh, that's, that's going to be the change in my euro revenues that I forecasted, well, what the value is now that I budgeted for that, and then what it's going to end up being in, in three months. So they kind of have a different terminology that you need to dissect and, and make sure you're all on the same page with. But going back to the transaction risk uh, question, yeah, so an anticipated risk, to, the way I view that is, yeah, any time... The hard part with anticipated risk when you're talking about it is when does that anticipated or forecasted risk start? Because um, you're setting a budget, your FP&A group is setting a budget for the year, or you're setting guidance for the quarter, you're revising forecasts, or you know that three years from now, if you're working on a, a big project overseas uh, for project-based companies, setting up you know big offshore oil rigs overseas or whatnot, you know, they might know that they have an anticipated risk going up four years, but when does that risk actually start? It depends on who's, you know, who you're talking to, who's viewing that risk. But, you know, at some point, someone views there as being a risk. There's an expectation of a foreign transaction being worth a certain amount. And at some point that starts and that's going to be a risk until you know, that actual transaction occurs. So if you're talking about revenue, you know that you're going to have probably foreign revenues or, um, you know, a company knows that they're going to be selling widgets overseas 10 years from now. Um, so you have this, you know, anticipated risk going out into almost perpetuity. Uh, but at some point, it, you know, is the point where you decide, well, I, I care to lock this down now and I feel certain enough about it that it's going to occur that I could potentially go out uh, to a bank, enter into a um, derivative contracts and, and uh, lock in and hedge that risk. Hmm, perfect. So we are getting into the how to mitigate that risk, but maybe before getting into this, Jeff. So anticipated and, and or forecasted, that's clear. If we go back to the anticipated versus booked, can you explain what you mean with booked exactly? Sure, yeah. And uh, so we'll go back to the revenue example. So, um, mm -hmm. so if we had for US dollar company has euro revenue, um, so we covered anticipated risk. At some point, you're expecting revenue to come into the future. And at some point in time, though, that revenue is actually going to be realized. You're going to, your foreign entity or you directly are going to be making this Euro sale and you're going to book that transaction. It's going to, you know, hit your revenue line. And in a, most cases, you know, let's say that particular transaction is going to uh, also hit then accounts receivable. So you now have a foreign account receivable and that's going to, uh, at the end of each month that that's outstanding, you know, that's going to what's called revalue or remeasure. 
uh, into the functional currency value of, of your books. So if you're that US dollar company with a euro accounts receivable, you have to reflect that change in value of euros on your books until you eventually receive the cash. And then, then you have euro cash on your books uh, that would also be doing that same process as long as you have it. Uh, so then it, it, the risk lasts until you actually convert that euro cash into your, your kind of entity's base currency there, functional currency. Uh, so that's the booked transaction risk. And that, that's usually addressed, uh, you know, either separately by companies or they structure hedge program where they could potentially kind of hedge that entire transaction straight through to the end. So from anticipated to the booked receivable uh, in cash up to the end. Can I ask a, a little bit more of a basic question, Jeff? So, so anticipated risk is like I've placed this order or this order has been placed with me. Let, let's take the example where you're selling abroad, right? So I'm selling my widgets. I'm a US company. I'm going to sell my widgets in Europe. I know that there's a risk of the FX rate changing in the meantime. So that's my anticipated thing. And then when the sale goes through and the money lands in my account, that's the booked risk. Is that correct? Yeah. And it does. Yeah. So once the sale occurs, you're going to probably have an accounts receivable first. Yeah. And then, and so that accounts receivable through cash, through converting the cash, you know, because once if we're talking about that euro example, once the euro cash gets converted, so you realize, oh, I have extra euro cash in my bank account. I want to move that into you, convert that with the bank into US dollars. And that's then officially when when your risk would end in that particular example. Why, why do I need an anticipated risk? So I understand the booked risk, right? So, But as a company, how, uh, why am I or how am I accounting for that anticipated risk? Like, where does that show up? Yeah. What am I doing with that? Like, why do I even need to care until it's actually happened? Yeah, so... One basic example I go to, I won't name the company name, but it, you know they they made um, they made a, a technology product. Um, it's really a home appliance, and they were U.S. based company. They were very big in Japan, so they had a lot of revenue in Japan. So they're they're making this product. For the most part, the product costs that all the costs are in U.S. dollars. I think they might have used contract manufacturing out of China or Malaysia, but you know that it cost them essentially U.S. dollars uh, through that arrangement. They're a U.S. company, so they have the very U.S. dollar mindset. Everything to them is U.S. dollars, and then they do a budget every year that goes out to the street because they're a publicly traded company where they're setting an expectation. Let's say we're gonna we're gonna get two billion dollars in revenue. Underneath that big $2 billion target that they're setting, you, you go below the surface and let's say $500 million is based on their, their actual JPY, their Japanese yen sales. And, um, and if the JPY rates, they, they have to make an assumption. They have to assume, okay, this JPY is going to be a, a certain value so they can consolidate to that US dollar expectation. And so let's say JPY rates was 110 
at the time they set that target and the time they set that expectation. Folks' bonuses might be, you know, based on that as well. So going down to the operational level, it can impact folks. So everyone's expecting to to have this business plan. They have to roll it up to a U.S. dollar plan. And the expectation is 110 Japanese yen. So throughout the course of the year, if the Japanese yen is depreciating, and right now I think I looked yesterday and the yen has been depreciating uh, for the past couple months, I believe. So it's at like 144 now. So if you had expected those those uh, Japanese yen to be worth 500 million and then the yen depreciates 25%, you know, take 25% hit on your 500 million. And I'm coming up with that on the fly. Well, that's a little over 100 million or 125 million, maybe. Um, you, the business could have done perfectly well. They sold all of the units they wanted to sell. They might have even grown a little bit and, and beat expectations as far as the actual product sales. Um, but purely because of the Japanese yen revenue changing on them, or the value of the Japanese yen revenue changing on them, they have to show, you know, that that um, they didn't have a great year. They didn't meet expectations. So, so that's kind of the anticipated risk. There was everything went as planned. They had anticipated Japanese yen revenue, but uh, that revenue changed in value because it they don't lock in that revenue until you know they actually book the revenue. Unbooked is. When the invoice gets issued or when it's actually paid, because you have the time, the delay of like payment terms, right? In between. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then, so if you were a US dollar and, and where books comes into play to dive into that a little bit is um, a lot of companies have heard do balance sheet hedging or, or you hear, hear the term balance sheet hedging again with terminology and FBAC, sometimes Folks will call that remeasurement hedging. But what happens there is every entity that you have, and one of the other problems with FX is it's it's kind of very hard once you get started because concepts are very circular. So you can't really talk about balance sheet hedging until you talk about booked risk until you understand what functional currency is and what this process of remeasurement is. So my one advice to folks who are getting started kind of learning this FX is just be patient. It's really an iterative learning process where you're, you're going to kind of go around in circles a lot until it all makes sense. I have not figured out the, I uh, put together a lot of basic trainings for folks and I think it does a good job walking through these concepts, but there's always kind of a debate on what order the slides should be in. Like, well, you know, this should be maybe slide five, but well, you, you don't know functional currency until you know slide seven. And, you know, it's never a perfect way to do it. But what booked risk is, is that each entity has a functional currency. And if you have a non-functional currency, what's called a monetary asset or liability. So that's typically what you see is cash, accounts receivable, accounts payable, intercompany loans, but they could be also intercompany uh, receivables, payables. So those are kind of your big ticket items there. Uh, but if it's a monetary transaction that's non-functional, you have to remeasure it uh, into the functional currency books. That actually creates an FX gain or loss that's in your P&L. 
companies will often book that in other income and expense. And so it has a very direct visible risk. So anticipated risk that we talked about, it impacts your budget and your expectations and it impacts things, but it actually doesn't directly show up on your books. Now, booked transaction risk has that re-measurement process, that change in value, that you have to change the value on your balance sheet. The offset of that does actually directly hit your P&L as an FX gain or loss. And therefore, you know, the risk acts differently, but that's the direct risk we're talking about. So you have a foreign accounts receivable and that's going to change in value. It turns into cash. We maybe convert that cash right away. Maybe it stays in a in a foreign uh, you know bank account, and that cash value has to get remeasured and changed. But um, but yeah, that remeasurement change in value risk is what we're talking talking about with the booked transaction risk. Jeff, that's crystal clear. So how about we break down the last term that you touched upon, coming back at the beginning? So translation risk, booked versus anticipated. It's clear. And it happens at the transaction level. Now, and I, I, just, I know I struggled a lot understanding it at my beginnings in corporate treasury as well, but can you break down what translation exposure is and maybe just illustrate it with examples so we can grasp it better? Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I brought up that example where a CFO might have a different definition, but the way I view it is, so we, we covered the transactional risk. So, you know, from anticipation to booked, if you look, think of your a actual transactions, we assume we've kind of covered that from a risk perspective or we understand it. So now, if you have a foreign subsidiary, and I'll stay with like a US dollar company kind of mindset here, but, you know, you could be a euro reporting company or a, a, a British pound reporting company, but anything that's not your reporting currency. So you have a euro subsidiary, it's euro functional, and that's uh, a US dollar company. So they're going to have their own local set of books that they have to do in their local currency. And they, they, you know, they do that also for local tax reasons and things like that. So they kind of have their local currency set of books. And, you know, that's going to be both your PL, your balance sheet. We need to now, as a global company, consolidate all of our global financial statements into you know that one single reporting currency set of books as a global company. And so what happens is now you have a euro balance sheet, a euro PL, and you're going to translate those books at the end of the month into US dollars. And what happens is you have some historical items, um, such as like retained earnings that are actually, you know, historical and they stay at their old historical rates. But then you have all these new transactions coming on your books at new rates and your balance sheet has to balance. So there ends up being this thing called translation noise comes as a result of this uh, process. And then that creates this translation risk. Companies can broadly think of this too as just you know, the risk of my earnings uh, changing in value, but it can also be this more direct concept of this is the currency translation uh, adjustment that has to be done as I consolidate all my books. 
Okay, so it's not necessarily on the revenue side, but just on the balance sheet side. Like I have a US-based entity that consolidates everything. If the total value of the balance sheet of one of my Mexican subsidiary, for instance, goes down because the US dollar went up in value against the Mexican peso, I'm losing money. And that translates into the balance sheet's risk. And it's a loss that occurs because of that. But it makes sense? Yeah, basically, yeah. So it's a change in value. And, and a lot of times you can think of it as kind of earnings as well. Uh, but that goes into the net investment concept as well. But it's really just that change in value of, of the books based on your kind of historical retained earnings and your new activity coming on that's necessary to uh, get into one consolidated set of books. Jeff, how does that differ from the net investment risk you mentioned earlier? Yeah, so net investment risk is then really the concepts that you have have these foreign entities that have a foreign net asset value, or you could also kind of view that as kind of their retained earnings as well. So it's really that historical then retained earnings um, that is changing in value over time. And so if you have, um, let's say you have a, a Euro entity that, that has, you know, hundreds of millions of earnings that have been piling up and they're, they're Euro entities. So you have Euro cash. So we talked about the booked risk. There's no booked risk per se there because it's Euro cash in a Euro entity. Nothing goes through that remeasurement or revaluation process. But what does happen is, let's say, five years from now, you decide, well, I finally want to repatriate all of my Euro earnings into the United States. Well, if Euro used to be at 130, you thought, you know, you had, uh, as far as a rates, you know, you thought you had way more U.S. dollar value out of all those euros sitting around overseas than what they might be worth today if, if, let's say, euros at parity. So that essentially was a net investment risk sitting there. So it wasn't posing kind of a risk on your books per se because, you know, nothing was remeasuring as a booked risk, but it did have a value change that impacts you as a company. Now, because it didn't have an uh, impact on your books, a lot of companies really kind of just let that risk kind of flow, ebb and flow up and down, and and they don't always hedge that. But uh, some companies will hedge it, or some companies will actually kind of use that risk as a way to, to do some creative things with hedging. So they might not necessarily care about that risk directly, but they will kind of use that risk to do other things with hedging. 